My name is Sean Leon, and I'm the youth director here at North Creek Presbyterian Church. And as this service is being led by the youth, I've been given the very special privilege of sharing the message with you this morning, uh, along with some help from some, uh, some students we'll be bringing out in a few minutes. Uh, but first, would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for your word that was just spoken to us. By your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us the message that you have for each of us. By your grace, Lord, give us the, give us the strength to follow your word, Lord. And in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So, we're here at Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday is a really exciting day. And I can't help but think there's a lot of buildup to this day. If you think about Jesus' ministry, Jesus ministered for three years, and all of this led up to, really, this week, this week of Holy Week, of Palm Sunday leading up to the death and resurrection on Easter Day. And if you've been with us for the last five weeks here in North Creek, the sermons have been um, titled The Prequel to the Resurrection, talking about how the entire Old Testament leads up to this time of Jesus coming to earth to die for our sins. So, it's kind of a big deal. Um, and I want to talk about how here at this main event, when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, there's a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of people there. And um, there's just a lot to unpack from that. So to simplify it, we're going to look at three different ways that people respond to Jesus. And the first one today is curiosity. So the crowd was curious about Jesus. Now, curiosity might be a bit of an understatement. I mean, this was a full-out parade for Jesus, right? People were waving palm branches. They were shouting Hosanna. Um, they were just, they were stoked. But it started with curiosity. Jesus had come to town, and the word got out. Um, in the text from John, we see that people heard Jesus was coming, and they went out to meet him. So I kind of wonder, like, how did the word get out? Like, what were people saying? What were people telling people? Um, to, you know, to get this word out that Jesus is coming. Well, if you look at the beginning of the text, it says, the next day. So that tells us we go back. Um, the previous chapter, Jesus went to go and raise a man from the dead. Uh, this man, Lazarus. He was a good friend of Jesus. He'd been dead for four days, and Jesus went and rose, uh, raised Lazarus from the dead. And we know from that story that there were several people there at the graveside who were mourning for Lazarus. And when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life, they saw this miracle, and they put their faith in Jesus because of that. Afterward, Lazarus had a special dinner in honor of Jesus. And the Bible tells us that many people came not only to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus, who'd been raised to life. I mean, really, like, if this happened in your neighborhood, how could you not want to go, right? Like, our neighbor was raised to life, like, we're going to this dinner. And I can't imagine, like, how exciting that must have been. Well, we've taken a look at how people spread the word back then and the curiosity that started this whole thing. But I, I wonder how people spread the word about Jesus today. What gets people curious about Jesus today? So the good people at North Creek put the word out in the streets, and we found three youth who have actual firsthand experience with Jesus. And so we're going to bring out our first uh, guest today. Please help me welcome seventh grade student Tegan Anderson, folks. All right. 
Tegan, thanks for being with us today. How you doing? Good. Good. Awesome. Now, Tegan, I understand that you're an athlete. You play basketball and things like that, right? Yeah, I've played basketball in the uh, Mill Creek Rec and Tourism League for a couple years now. So you're probably used to the whole, uh, you know, big scene of cheering crowds and all of that stuff, fan or adoration, right? Yeah, big cheering crowds. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about Palm Sunday, you know, Jesus rides into town and there's palm branches and all that. Like, what do you think the crowd was thinking? Like, how exciting was that? Uh, they were probably nuts. You know, they had, they had their palm branches, they had their coats, they're making a making their own little red carpet for Jesus going up there on his donkey. Yeah. So um, now, do you think you would have been a palm guy or a coat guy? I would rather be a palm guy, okay. but to be there and experience it and just to, yeah, be there would be awesome. Just to have been there would have been mm -hmm. awesome. No kidding. Yeah. All right. So now I have it on good authority that you actually know this Jesus guy. Is that correct? Yeah, I know this Jesus guy. So, wow. So, how did you first hear about Jesus? Um, I first heard about him uh, at church, and also when my dad would pray with uh, my siblings and me uh, when he would pray with us mm -hmm. before we went to bed. Oh, that's so cool. Awesome. So, your dad shared Jesus with you through prayer time. Mm -hmm. So, what was it about Jesus that made you curious and want to get to know him personally? Well, after my brother accepted Jesus, my dad stopped praying that he would accept Jesus because he already had. But I didn't notice. I didn't really know what accepting Jesus meant. So for the one, I just knew that he'd stop praying for kindness. And I was kind of like, wait, what? Why are you now only praying for me? Mm. So then I wanted to accept him. I learned more about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, Tegan, I want to thank you for sharing. Thank you for being on our show. Don't go anywhere. We have other guests coming. Folks, stay tuned. Thank you. Wherever Jesus went, curiosity and wonder followed him. People just couldn't stop talking about him. Sometimes people also didn't fully understand Jesus, though. His, his teaching and his way of living was different than what they're used to. It was radical. It was kind of upside down. And some people just couldn't accept it. If you look at John chapter 12, verse 19, you'll see the Pharisees said to each other, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. For them, Jesus was a problem that they didn't know how to deal with because they couldn't figure out how to fit Jesus into their way of life, right? They wanted things going their way, and Jesus didn't fit that for them. So the Pharisees outright rejected Jesus. In fact, not only did they plot to kill Jesus, but they also plotted to kill Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. They just wanted to do away with it, all of it. Verse 16 tells us that the disciples who followed Jesus didn't understand all of this stuff yet themselves. It wasn't until after that Jesus was glorified that they realized the prophecies that had been written about him and the things that had been done. But they still were faithful and trusted in him and followed with him at the time. Now, I'll admit, there's times where I don't get all of this. I don't, I don't understand everything Jesus is telling me. Um, I don't know where he's trying to lead me in life sometimes. But I have faith and I have hope um, especially from scriptures like this one, 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says, Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And I look forward to that day when I can be before Jesus face to face and have all my questions answered. 
But now, as I seek and as you seek to get to know Jesus, and we can't help, we have to be careful that as we're getting to know him, that we don't take parts that we don't understand about Jesus and make up our own version of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, I have a little video I want to show you guys. Um, it's from a comedy movie from 2006 called Talladega Nights. And in this scene you're going to see, there's these two guys that are getting into discussion about how they like to picture Jesus. Okay, so take a look. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says like, I want to be formal, right. but I'm here to party too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. All right, so it's a little bit comical. It's actually pretty ridiculous if you think about it, but I can't help but think there's a little bit of truth in that, right? The guy on the left, Carl, says, I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I mean, little red flags should be going up when people talk like that, right? How often do we try to create a Jesus that fits what we want, or believes what we believe, or would do the things that we would do, because that's the way we want him to be? Do we pick and choose from the things that Jesus teaches, or the things that Jesus um, commands us to do, based on what fits us? Like, Jesus said, love your neighbor. Well, maybe we like that. And Jesus says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Maybe that sounds pretty good too. But when Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross, do we say, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I full, if he fully really wants me to do that. I mean, my Jesus wants me to be comfortable, right? At least for me, that's the conviction I have. I wonder at times if we get it backwards. How often do we say, Jesus, do for me, before we're willing to say, thy will be done? Well, it's time for us to meet our second guest. Would you please welcome 10th grade student, Matt Castell. <laughs> Matt, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you. I, I believe you know our other guest, Tegan, here. Yes, he's yeah. a good friend of mine. <laughs> So this morning, we're talking about Jesus' grand entrance into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And, you know, I know you like cars, so I'm just kind of wondering if you could pick your mode of transportation for an event like that, what would it be? I think I'd probably choose a Lamborghini. Nice, a Lamborghini, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like a red one, what kind of color would you go for? I think I'd probably pick orange. Orange, oh, you don't see too many of those. Well. When you get your orange Lamborghini, I would love a ride, all right? <laughs> all right. So now on a scale of 1 to 10, uh, you know, how, how confused do you think the disciples might have been that Jesus chose such a humble mode of transportation? He came in on a donkey. Yeah, I think I'd say an 8 because, um, like, donkeys were probably a fairly common form of transportation back then, but at the same time very modest. Like, somebody like Jesus, who's the son of God— you know, maybe a lot of people would expect him to be, like, in a magnificent chariot pulled by two magnificent horses, right? So, um, that's why I think it's not quite a 10, but still pretty surprised. Still pretty surprised. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you think he should have come on, like, a chariot or something like that, like you said. Yeah, totally. Well, um, you know, you know this Jesus guy yourself, right? Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, in your relationship with Jesus, you know, I bet you know everything that Jesus has for your life, right? Like it's all super clear? Or, or is there maybe some confusion? I wish it was all super clear, but there's definitely a lot of confusion sometimes. Like I'll read something in the Bible and it just doesn't make sense or 
um, I'm, you know, a lot of times, like, something may have made sense back in, like, um, in the time that it was written, but now in our culture, because of different cultures, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't so. make sense to you. Yeah. So now, when you get to that kind of stuff, and you don't, still don't get it, like, what do you do? Um, well, an example is, um, I know at one point in the Bible, it, I'm not sure where, but it says, like, it's um, harder for the, or easier for the for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. Mm-hmm. And I always assume, like, the camel going through, like, the eye of, like, a sewing needle, right? You know, like, that doesn't make sense, right? And, um, but with youth group and talking with it with leaders and other people, we all, you know, in youth group, we all read the same scripture and we all talk about it. Um, it, you know, really helps me understand things and broadens my perspective on things. And I learned that the eye, the, the needle was like the, this little tiny doorway on the wall entering like a town or a city um, back then. And it's like a really small doorway and camels have to crouch down to get through. And camels hated going through that. So it was really difficult to get a camel to go through. And so I was like, oh, now I get it because I was able to talk with people at youth group. And, and awesome. yeah, so youth yeah, group definitely. Yeah, interpreting scripture with the body of Christ. That's fantastic. Awesome. Now, I think that was my last question. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming out, Matt. Thank you. Folks, stick around. We've got one more guest you don't want to miss out. <laughs> I just want the interview to keep going. <laughs> All right. So, hey, um, let's take a look now at our Isaiah text, chapter 50. So the prophet Isaiah foretold of Jesus, the suffering servant, and of his commitment on the way to the cross. So this word commitment we're thinking about now. Now Jesus came into Jerusalem, and the the crowd was there. They were excited. They were welcoming him. Just like this morning, we had palm branches out. But that was not Jesus' destination all along. Jesus came into Jerusalem fixed on the cross. That's where he was headed. If you look at Isaiah chapter 50, verses 6 and 7, it says, I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, have I set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. So I want to focus on this one phrase here, I set my face like flint. So flint is a very hard sedimentary rock. And Isaiah says that he set his face like flint. He was focused. He was strong in his his decision there. But there's something else that's interesting about flint rock, um, this sedimentary rock. Does anybody know what flint is used for? Anybody? Starting fires, yeah. Um, And you start these fires by striking the flint with like a knife or a piece of metal, right? You get some sparks, and then you get your tinder going, and you build your fire. Think about that imagery as it relates to Jesus. He set his face like a flint. The text says that he offered his back to those who beat him, his cheeks um, to those who pulled out his beard. Jesus not only was focused and determined, but he offered himself to be beat and to suffer for us and endure the cross. Jesus was focused, and he was committed to us. Now, going back to John chapter 12, looking ahead to verses 24 and 25, just past where Josh read for us this morning, 
Jesus said, Very truly I say to you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in the world will keep it for eternal life. So Jesus is teaching the necessity for him to die in order for new life to begin. And he's teaching this to disciples because he asks them to have that kind of a commitment. The willingness to, be, to give up themselves, even to the point of giving up their own lives. Jesus' actions are like that flint starting that fire when we too commit to following to Jesus. So there's a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a German pastor and professor, and he lived during the middle of Nazi control in Germany. And he was aware of the very real dangers that threatened his life for being a committed follower to Jesus. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he wrote, When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Therefore, the cross is a part of every true disciple's life. I wonder, what would it look like for each of us to take up our cross daily and to follow Jesus? Well, it's time for us to meet our third and final guest. Would you join me in welcoming 12th grade student, Kasana Anderson. Kasana, thanks for being on our show today. Thank you for having me. Do you happen to know this guy on the end of the couch here? I do. It's Eight yeah. oh, okay. We were on a show a while back called uh, That's Our Kind of Family. That's yeah, <laughs> really, really great show. You guys should check it out. <laughs> so we're talking about this word commitment right now. And I happen to know you're a senior in high school, um, college bound. How has commitment been important to you this year? I think it's definitely been important. Uh, this year I was doing Running Start at Escadia College, and before that I was homeschooled, so I had to be very self-motivated. My deadlines are sort of fluid, but now I really had to step it up and turn things in and also deal with quite a bit of senioritis the last couple months. But senioritis, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm almost done. Almost there. The end is in sight. Awesome. So with all that was going on, Palm Sunday, um, you know, with the palm branches waving and the crowds cheering for Jesus, and Jesus was on his way to the cross. How do you think Jesus stayed committed to that? Like, wouldn't it have been easier for Jesus to have just stayed in that moment, you know, and decided to become king right there? I think that Jesus had the big picture in mind even then because he was fully God, so he knew the whole big plan of um, how his death was going to affect everyone and um, complete God's plan of bringing, you know, all the peoples from all the nations to himself. So I think even if the human part of him you know, would rather have obviously not gone through that. I think he trusted his father and was just thinking about the big plan. Hmm. Now, you're a follower of Jesus yourself. And how is taking up your cross, what has taking up your cross meant to you? Uh, so one of the first things I thought of is sort of a cost uh, for me is I moved to Uganda when I was eight. Um, and then there's a lot of chaos kind of emotionally moving back and forth from different places. And we moved back here just for a year-long furlough when I was 13 and sort of coming into that I had a very subconscious mentality of I didn't want to get involved I didn't want to make new friends I didn't want to get involved in new activities because I knew that after a year I was going to leave again 
So it didn't seem worth it to me to, you know, invest myself in something when I was going to have to leave it. Um, but part of my relationship with God is that he calls me to love. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, d I did make new friends and I did throw myself into activities and it was very hard to leave. Mm -hmm. And then um, a couple of years later, when we were moving back here uh, for good, I had to struggle with that again, with trusting that God had a bigger plan. And I've told the story before, but there was just one night that I remember where I was just repeating over and over, God, I know you're going to make something good out of this. Mm. I know you're going to make something good out of this. Um, but it was definitely very, very hard. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes you just got to hang on to God's promises, right? That's fantastic. So, you know, what, what makes that cost worth it for you? I think that every time I have followed God's prompting to go talk to someone or you know, start a relationship that maybe I don't really want to. He's always blessed me through it, and I've always uh, seen seen him make good out of it. Maybe not right away in something, maybe I haven't seen it yet, but I am trusting that it's coming. Hmm. Kasana, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. And to our other guests, Matt and Tegan, thank you guys so much for being on our show. Well, there you have it, folks. Jesus, our God and King, enters into Jerusalem on a donkey, humbly. And with great love for you and for me, he sets his face, focused like flint, on the cross. And he says to us, come follow me. Amen. All right, so earlier in the service, I, I shared a video, a comical video, of how we might be tempted to picture Jesus. And as we're entering into Holy Week with Easter on the horizon, I kind of want to replace that whole image with a new one. So I've got this other video I want to share with you. It's, um, it's the, the words that you'll hear in the video are from the late pastor F.M. Lockridge, and his sermon was titled, That's My King. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I, I wonder do you know him. 